audio gyan with kedar nimkar a podcast that documents insightful conversations with indian designers artists musicians writers thinkers and creatives of all types catch us on itunes or visit audiogyan.com for more gyan sessions here's your host kedar nimkar this is the 200th episode of audio gyan my heartfelt thanks to all guests for being on the show I appreciate you putting your efforts and giving your time for this small project of mine to document Indian designers and artists. Today I have Sudhir Patwardhan with us on Audio Gang. I celebrated 100th episode with India's design hero B V Doshi and I'm equally thrilled and excited to celebrate this 200th episode with another legend Sudhir Patwardhan, one of India's finest painters. So thank you sir uh, for giving your time and it's a real real honor to have you on Audio Gang. Thank you, Kedar. It's my pleasure. I have come up with few questions, uh, mainly to document and understand your thought process, uh, your your philosophy, and your perspective towards art in general, and some bits of painting as well. So the first uh, thing uh, which I want to ask is, uh, like most legendary musicians, uh, talk about having emptied their mind to reach like a higher state of consciousness. uh while performing like bismillah khan or kumar gandharva uh, these people say that you have to empty your mind right so is this the same process uh, while painting i mean uh, a painter uh, seems to be filled with thoughts contradictions of the world conflicts uh so if you can start there that uh, in general what what's the what's the thought process and in particular with you as well what what uh, inspires or what uh kicks off a painting yeah sure thing uh, i would say i would say that for speaking for myself mm-hmm. uh my process starts at two points uh simultaneously uh one is of course the experience of the external world the world around me i'm continuously responding to that world and observing and emotionally involved in that in the life of people around and things like that so that is one source that is one point from which any painting or we would start the other point equally important is some inner need and this inner need is a need for some kind of rhythm some kind of structure or some kind of order you might say so this is independent of one's experience of the external world as such this is an inner need but as the painting progresses these two tend to come closer together and at some point i think they actually come together and that is a point of a kind of heightened awareness it is a heightened awareness of the world with all its contradictions that is said and all its conflicts but it also heightened awareness of order some kind of order that has come from the artist so this you might say that this form of heightened awareness is somewhat akin to the kind of uh, uh experience that uh, you mentioned musicians uh, you know they they speak about 
but I think painting is quite different in the sense it is a much long drawn out process. It's not like a one hour performance or something. So it's probably quite different from that. And for me, it is quite different from that. Mm-hmm. But uh, is there any, I mean, does every painting go through the same sort of uh, process or it depends on, um, I mean, are there any other parameters apart from these two, which you mentioned? Well, for me, mostly because I, my paintings are essentially to do with the world around me, people's lives that I observe. Hmm. So for me, this becomes more or less the way in which things happen. But there are other ways. There are other ways. For example, there may be some images that come to you, not from the outside world, but they come to you. Uh, you really don't know where they come to you from. Uh, they may be dream images. They may be kind of hallucinations. They may be just something that just occurs to you. Now, the origin of this image may not be. It's somewhere in your subconscious. So then the process may be somewhat different. There is also a time when you're reading, for example, uh, you know, you're reading some literature or you're reading poetry, and that also might inspire some kind of imagery within the artist. So various ways in which a painting can start. Uh, so one of these, but for me, predominantly it is a reaction or a kind of dialogue between the external world and my inner self. Hmm. So you said, and it's not like a one-hour concert, or uh, it's not like it's, it's it has got a longer time frame. Yes. So is it possible to start off? I mean, how frequent does it happen that you start off with one thought, but the end is completely different because um, of circumstances, or because of your thought process, or or because of your reinterpretation of the same thing that happens quite often that happens i mean that is almost the rule rather than the exception your starting point is one but uh, where it takes you from there because it's a dialogue between uh, your understanding your your uh, creative kind of need so because it's a a kind of uh, dialectic between various things it will take its own course and you have to allow it to take its own course. Only then will it actually reach that point where you feel that, yes, now you have reached that kind of awareness where something new is being said. Hmm. So it does happen very often. You start from somewhere and you're always moving in a direction that you don't, you cannot predict, you do not know. Hmm. So I'm intrigued. I've asked this question multiple times to other people also, but then how does a painter know when to stop? Yes, that's an interesting, it's always an interesting question. Hmm. There are times when you definitely know that, yes, what you wanted to say, and not in the sense that this is what you want to say. You, you reach that point and say, yeah, no more. I have said enough, and this is exactly where I want to leave it. But there are times when it's not as clear as that. And then usually you make some mistake, you go more ahead and you realize that you're, you're 
taking it a bit too far, you should retract. So there are various kind of complications in that act of finishing. But if you are lucky, more or less, you will be told by the painting itself that okay, now stop. This is it. Mm-hmm. I think we'll we'll circle back to this question uh, in the later part also. Uh, the reason why I was asking you that um, it gradually improves is because your early works uh, in the 70s uh, where as in like I was going through one of the videos where you showed your uh, uh, the entire journey from the 70s is that uh, earlier you had just the subject and then later on uh, you started bringing in uh, other aspects into your painting. Uh, there was a lot more context along with the subject and then uh, I mean, one of the, the 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 recent exhibition which I saw at NGMA, um, the more recent ones are full, fully busy, and and there are a lot of uh, different things happening in on the canvas. So, is this like what made you make this shift, and why things have started becoming sort of busy in the painting itself, and is it a part of the continuing talk with the people uh, or or want to share, yeah. Yes. In a sense, uh, uh, you're right that my early work usually had mm-hmm. a single figure, a single human figure. And all the, like, this figure was usually offered or a person that I've seen on the street, something usually an ordinary person. And all the drama was actually in the figure, the way in which I related to that single figure. After some time, I started to feel that it is necessary for me to include that person's context, his life's context, where what he does, you know, what is his social position, where does he stay, or what is he doing? Is he sitting in a restaurant? What is what is the background there? So I wanted to include more things and not only along with that, more people also. So he was not then alone in that frame. There were other people in the frame with whom he was also establishing some kind of relationship, he or she, as the figure may be. And I was also establishing a relationship with multiple figures. Now this uh, kind of complicates the or, or makes the structure much more complex than when you are handling single figure. So the structure became more complex. After this, there was a period when I even moved even further back so that I was seeing much more of the city. So it might be multiple buildings, multiple flyovers, multiple things. And so there were multiple figures so that it was not about one single figure or one single human being. It was about a whole social situation. So when I did this, I was moving back, I was becoming more of an observer rather being very closely associated with that one figure. So this made the whole structure more complex. But I have always returned. So it is not like I have only moved from single figure to more complex figures. I have always returned to painting single figures, even small uh, paintings of individual faces. So this connection, this kind of uh, pendulum movement between going very close to a single figure and going far and seeing a whole social context or a whole city 
So this pendulum movement has continued. So I moved between painting single figures, then I moved back to painting whole city or something like that. Again, I moved in and paint single figures. So this intimacy and distance connection, you know, a dialogue between intimacy and distance. Mm-hmm. But why, why, uh, why did you start bringing in context yeah. of the subject also? thing is that my experience was like that. The reason why initially I was painting a single figure was that I was projecting my feelings into one figure. So it was a kind of emotional, psychological need to connect, to relate to one figure outside of yourself, Mm -hmm. to a figure of another class or something. Then my understanding of this situation grew and I realized that he is part of a whole lot of relationships and connections and social memory. He is not just one single human being. He is part of a whole. And to understand that, I need to incorporate all those elements as much as I can. And therefore, that movement behind was, was, was moving behind. And so, but again, as I said, if you move too much away from the human figure to paint the city, then you lose contact with individuals. Mm. Then you feel that I, I need to get back and get in touch with individuals. So this that is why this to and fro movement continues. And there are different ways of understanding life in a sense. You know, you, you, are, you want to understand, you want to talk about a single life, you want to talk about a whole society, you want to talk but would you attribute this uh, sort of a pendulum because of empathy or say because of just expanding consciousness uh, because you, the more like we say in karma yoga na, you keep doing and then you get some sort of a, a higher degree of awareness so what would you attribute it more to I think it is a realization that no single kind of approach to life can give you a, a fuller understanding of it. You need multiple approaches. And one is continuously doing that. You know, in one's own life, one has a kind of objective, scientific approach to certain things. Certain things one has to appreciate, or certain things one has to understand their emotional tone, their emotional quality. Certain things one has to understand at a slightly distance so that there is there are friendships which you will keep at a certain level. There are others that become very intimate. No? All these various things are leading you to an understanding of the complexity of your own life and the life around you. So I think you need multiple entry points into understanding life, understanding the surrounding around you and understanding yourself also. You cannot understand yourself also seen from only one viewpoint. So that is the reason why these multiple ways mm-hmm. in which we are seen. And uh, Sudhir sir, uh, in one of your interviews I was reading, uh, you mentioned that it's it's about what is possible to communicate and what is not. Uh, the artist starts by saying something and then he wipes and starts anew. So even this reflects the the the, the pendulum approach which you said, right? Yes. Uh, so all this 
put together uh, i was trying to philosophically connect it with mumbai because that's where uh, your uh, your major work is and uh, even mumbai gets washed away with like every wave hitting the island and starts afresh so uh, is it because of that or any other attributes and and then if you can further explain why mumbai also yeah uh, this this aspect of uh, doing something then wiping it then doing it again i think is part of the creative process creative process is uh, the energy for creative process is not unique direction you just it moves you in a certain direction and you have critique it also along with you know there is a certain energy in wanting to do it in a certain way to something but then you have to critique it you have to look at it critically and then to, it is like two steps forward and you take one step back then you move in another direction so it is that kind of process and the other part that you mentioned is about mumbai that is very true that in the sense you know mumbai has this ability to spring back to life after every crisis and uh, that is very inspiring about the city but in a sense i feel that uh, people of mumbai do not have a choice mm-hmm. the life here is so difficult so hard that it's not possible to just lay back and Uh, just uh, cry over a crisis. You have to get back, and you have to get back to work after every floods, after every heavy rains, or any natural disaster. We see that immediately in a, the next day, people are struggling to get back to work. Even now, when with this pandemic, we see that people are lining up for two to hours to be able to get into yeah. a bus to be able to go to work. So. this struggle that people here have to go through is something that is not of their choice but they cannot do without it but this is one kind of trouble but other kind of crisis that are more disturbing are the kind of uh, sectarian violence communal mm. violence you know so when that happens then it becomes even more disturbing uh, because you feel that the kind of cosmopolitan and multilingual multinational uh, cultural spirit of bombay you know so that spirit that we talk about of getting back and getting back to work somewhere you feel that that spirit is being eroded because of these uh, ugly kind of uh, things that are entering people's psyche and it becomes more difficult to handle those for a painter but you're right that part of the reason why you want to continuously try and get back is what mm-hmm. you learn from a city like that so i mean this this uh, as you truly said it it just keeps bouncing back so um it's just transmuting rapidly all the time so like how do you pick or how did you pick subjects to paint uh, i mean i have just two examples to just uh, take equally important issues like the corporate towers uh threatening to take over the the mills and and at the same time the riots so like how did you manage to like handle the anxiety of expressing these equally burning issues and and yet make like the iconic pieces of art so 
if you can take some example and explain please well any any significant uh, work of art hmm. or iconic work has been got is born out of pain and anxiety and it is in trying to deal with these that an artist will evolve some complex forms and structures that can hold ultimately it is a question of being able to hold these concepts within your composition or within your painting structure so that is the struggle that every artist and that is for me the struggle that i have to go through now the example that we have given of concrete arts now and the change that happened after the mills closed down when i try to understand that and when i try to come terms with that in some senses one understands that you know change is inevitable so the mills were there for 100 years something had to change they closed down something new has come up so this one can accept but if there has been injustice for example loss of jobs people have not been paid and then crores of rupees have been made on land deals and land which was given to the millionaires at a pittance by the government leased to the dog by the government over that these people have made huge amounts of profits and also mainly the fact that bombay has developed in a way not that was right for bombay as a city or for the majority of people but it has developed purely in the last 20 30 years purely on the basis of a profit motive so this these things can try to understand and one tries to build that into tries to make a statement about that so for example the lower corner painting that i have you know there is a closed mill on one side there is a high tar coming up on the other side you know this contrast between that and then that lower corner stone bridge that was there you know and the life of these people going on so ordinary people will just continue their life so you can identify to identify that that and you realize how much of a struggle it is for them but you also want to critique what is the overall way in which development has happened so that is also part of what you were trying mm-hmm. to say mm-hmm. and you mentioned about holding that thought uh, it it seems to be like a painful journey so why does it have to be like i mean <laughs> um what what makes it um why do you hold it then just to express that holding i meant uh, what i meant was that you know you're doing a work of art you're making a work of art now that work of art must be able to contain hold in the sense contain all that you put oh, inside okay. so there may be anger there may be love there may be uh, conflict all these things there must be it has to contain this now if it is only overflowing all the time then a work of art is like a vessel you know and the vessel what you put into it you put in everything that you experience in life into it but if it is continuously overflowing then it does not become a successful work 
that glucophile will become complete, it must contain all that within itself. In that sense, it must hold. Only then does it become a complete work of art. Only then does it give, in, give you that full wow. aesthetic. Very, experience. very beautiful and uh, like it's, it's amazing. <laughs> um, and and yeah, uh, if like how did you pick subjects? Because both are equally. So you you uh, was there any thought process to pick one over the other or various things? Uh, now from the earlier in the seventies and eighties, uh, I used to paint a lot of people who hmm. were from the mill area. Then the mills closed down. Then I also had moved to Ghana. So then that subject had fallen. That was not a subject that I was doing. I was painting mm. more of Thamar, suburbs and all that. But then the changes that have started to happen in the mainlands after eight, after 90s, the kind of development that started there and the kind of infrastructure with lack of infrastructure, the kind of building, you know, you must be knowing about you know, Charles Korea and so many important architects have put forward a plan for mm. the redevelopment of the mainlands, which had considered the need of the city as a whole and the need of the people that had been displaced, that had lost the jobs, all that. Now, ultimately, the politicians and ministers put this aside and they developed the land according to their own needs and profits. So, you can see today that it is such a mess, that whole place. Traffic is a mess, everything is such a mess. So this kind of development is something that you, mm. you cannot stay quiet about. And you are an artist, you are not a journalist, or you are not a sociologist to write an essay on it. So as an artist, you feel the need to paint that city which seems to be now crumbling with lack of infrastructure, which seems to be like not city that was earlier or that could have. So that is one aspect. The other one that you mentioned was riot. So riot after the riots happened for a long time, it, it was very difficult to come to terms with uh, what had happened and it was very difficult to paint also because to, ex to be able to say something which at least suggests the horror of what had happened. It's not easy. You know, your experience is lacking. You mm. have not suffered in that way. But you want to say something about it. You want to make a statement because you feel the need. And therefore, you pick up that subject. I did a lot of drawing. I did a lot of trials. Over three, four years, I was trying to say something about that. Ultimately, that painting in 96, I could complete that painting on the right that happened in 92. So this is the way in which they kind of um, the subject matter is all the time pressing on you from all sides. But you have to find, as I said earlier, ultimately you have to find a form that will contain that subject matter. And it should not become like a, uh, just a, like a dump, uh, kind yeah. of Try against, mm -hmm. ah, not a propagandist. Thing. Interesting. And and um, so, in my understanding, uh, I did one uh, uh, biography episode with Ramu Ramanathan or Vijay Tendulkar, uh, and even Satyajit Ray movies. Uh, hmm. 
so if you if you look at in your case also like paying the bill uh, painting uh, you guys have tried to communicate or tried to express something which is really next door like a common man um and, and like these seem to be the subject of interest so what do you think makes uh your painting so relatable like how come i mean this makes your painting relatable but like a common man is most of the time like non cognizant about it so uh, how do you like put that into perspective okay i'm making something uh obviously for the expression but it has to reach the common man to be sensitive uh but these elite galleries you know what i mean right so yes. uh, yeah yeah yes. yeah yeah i think so one of the things that i've always told myself since i have always been a painter of people hmm. what i've always felt is that the people that i paint the people who are the subjects of my paintings should be able to identify themselves in those paintings in that sense i do not want to be talking to a third person about someone i want to be talking to that person about himself hmm. this i always kept in mind in some sense and what it means is that you approach the figure with a certain respect for his autonomy that you will realize this is another person he has his own life he has led a life that you do not know completely you are only trying to understand it and if you want to try to understand it you must approach it so that he can see that this is his life he can see his life within this representation so through this attempt because of this attempt i think people find that they can relate to my work most people i find can a lot of people from any class they find my work that they can relate to it the mm. question of uh, the common man not being cognizant of it i think is that mostly they do not get an opportunity to see mm. works of art They, they in their daily rush of life, they have no time to set aside for art and the sex demands. Unfortunately, but if that art is taken to them, then definitely they relate to it. Now, of course, there will be differences. That certain people are more sophisticated; they understand art better. They they know the history of art. They can relate to it in a different way. and certain people will relate to it in a simple way according to the subject according to what is shown but all of these people any of any way they can relate is important i think yeah. so it is not only people who are uh, seeing it in a sophisticated way that of course ideally the people who are have do not have education should also be able to develop in that way but my work is relatable i think because of the way in which i approach the human figure mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i'm speaking of i'm speaking to that person about himself that is kind of ideal way of approaching the human correct maybe one of the reasons is that uh, i mean like the human forms in your paintings are doing like mundane activities right so i mean that but yet they are like uh, 
the sense of innate dignity which is which is transpiring through your work of art so like while performing like regular chores of life so i wanted to understand like how i mean it's a difficult question to ask also like uh, is it a function of the the expression is it the function of observation is it the function of um I mean, it's like, what, like how how does it transpire? Yeah, firstly, I'm very interested in observing people doing their daily activity, the daily. I find it very interesting, and I, I find that one can learn a lot about life itself, you know, about the meaning of life by just this ordinary life, daily life in front of you, you know. Mm-hmm. So just this observation is important, but about this, what I find is that any gesture, any gesture that someone is making, for example, a woman is sitting and making chapatis, mm-hmm. or let's say that a paying uh, the bill, yeah, paying <laughs> the bill, yeah, mm-hmm. she's going there, she's turning around, she's looking in her purse. All these gestures. Have a specific meaning. Yes, they all have a functional meaning. You can understand them completely. Uh, what is this woman doing? She is looking at her purse to see if there is money or to put back something or something like that. That is the functional way in understanding. But that gesture that that woman is performing, or let's say a man is pulling a cart. Hmm. Now, a man is pulling a cart. You can understand all his muscular movements, the way in which he is bent, all that. By saying that, yeah, he is pulling a cart. But that movement that that person is doing, or that woman is doing, goes beyond that immediate functional meaning, and it suggests something about being human. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The human condition itself is somehow encapsulated in these ordinary acts. So it doesn't have to be something. I mean, uh, you know, for showing motherhood, people used to always think a mother feeding her child. Now, this, of course, is obviously gives you an idea about motherhood and all that. But even something like washing your face, a woman is washing her face, throwing water with both hands on her face. This act, though it can be explained by just me washing your face, but this act expresses something about our condition, our being human, and that is why it gives it that kind of, as you said, it gives it that kind of dignity, or it gives it some meaning beyond the ordinary. That is the I feel that is the reason. Oh, I think it's it's lot of food for thought for me to <laughs> consume and and. Reflect back upon. I'm I'm going to listen to this again. <laughs> um, so and and speaking about the earlier question uh, and also the uh, one when we started, um, it's about making it relatable and making it. You you are finally expressing so that there's some audience who's going to look at it. Some some person who's going to uh, look at the painting and probably introspect or just appreciate the art in general. So yes, uh, and and we hear a lot of this word, which is that art should create a dialogue in the society, right? Um, but I mean, I, this could be a naive question, but 
how does this these dialogues then reach to the masses because from my experience which is very limited but uh, these these paintings are generally seen in elite galleries although you have uh, traveled your paintings have traveled the world but uh, in in certain parts of maharashtra as well in uh, rural villages but still um, i'm very yes. curious to know that what are these dialogues and how are they reaching the masses and then creating some sort of i wouldn't say moment but uh, at least being getting sensitive to certain aspects of our environment yeah uh, what happens is that paintings uh, uh, visual arts is a medium uh, which needs to be seen in a certain way i mean for example paintings need to be lit properly hmm. they have to be you know so it's not like a poem or a novel that anyone can sit anywhere and read hmm. so that creates a certain problem that we have to be exhibited in certain kind of galleries and things like that and it is true that most people do not enter in private galleries mm. but for example for uh, for me i have always tried to show all my all my exhibitions even if they were in private galleries have also been shown in jahangirat now in jahangirat gallery in one week i will get 10 times or more the audience that i will get in a private gallery even in a month mm. so that way one can You know, and of course, as we mentioned, I have tried in various means. For example, I was painting paintings, uh, uh, landscapes in Thana in Pokhran. Mm. You know, this was in the late eighties. Then I had exhibitions of those paintings in Pokhran in a municipal school in a factory shed, even on a roadside, and five or six exhibitions like that in a shop. Mm. So that is too because. For three years, I was going to that area, painting that area, and people used to gather to look at me painting. So they knew that ah, this artist comes in a scooter, sits here and does some paintings. They had seen me. Then after three years, they actually saw an exhibition at all these paintings together. So they had got, they developed some kind of understanding of what art is, how it is done. Then I gave them a pamphlet show, telling them. How these paintings can be seen in Bombay in the museum or here or there whenever you can go. So, trying to educate the people is always and the exhibition that you mentioned traveling to eight cities in Maharashtra is also in that sense an educational project. Thirty artists went, took them all their work around eight cities and had lectures, had seminars, various things. To educate people, people are hungry for this. It's not that people are not uh, interested; they're very much interested and very much hungry, but they don't get the opportunity. And that, unfortunately, uh, what I do not know whom to, who cannot say. But for example, our museums don't do enough of outreach, and we have so many few, very few museums in the first place. Mm. So. It's a difficult thing, that, and in our school education system, was not to pay enough attention to art education. So all these various things are there. <laughs> yeah. So, sir, I have one last question. I mean, it's it's been just an amazing experience to hear you, and wish like this conversation keeps going on. But um, uh, like you have been drawing Mumbai tirelessly, and. Uh, 
like crowded chaotic scenes i mean like these scenes are clearly depicted in the work like if you have to start all over again which uh, city would you pick and why <laughs> i mean this this may sound like a this may sound like a typical media type question but it's it's a genuine uh, uh, one to understand like yes uh, what will it feel to start all over again with like will it be like i mean this stem from understanding that if you were in japan like sudhir patwardhan draw something like super minimalistic or what 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 will be the yes yeah <laughs> yes i mean it's it would definitely be quite different hmm. i would say that like i came to mumbai in the early 70s hmm. and i immediately the city kind of took hold of me almost i was completely uh, like uh, taken up with this city but in the 70s the city was very different from what it is today Mm. and over the last 40 years or more has depicted the changes that the city has gone through in some sense you know and gradually after the 90s especially the city has changed drastically and i would say that the kind of attachment to the city that the city of bombay that i had in the 70s 80s and 90s uh today i feel that i do, i do not have that kind of close attachment to the city so this may be both things that for one thing i myself have grown old so then things change when you grow old and other thing is that the city has changed in a very different way so if i were to start again at this at this time what i am today uh, i would not i would probably think that i would not want to be painting in this i probably would want to be painting in some smaller city where things are changing in a different way where you can still grasp the whole mm. uh, economics and the sociology and the and the psychology of people and everything somehow you can still grasp that so probably that might be If if you give me the choice, what would start back at you? Wow! I would probably, but it's difficult to say. I mean, it's I, my whole career is so much linked to this city that it is for me to, in that sense, break away from the choice. Actually, it's it's really wonderful. But um, we left the one question in the starting is that mm-hmm. how do you stop? Where do you stop? When do you stop? And um, I'm particularly interested in understanding that when you stop um, the next painting, what if it it's a continuum? What if it it starts again uh, somewhere there? Uh, so I'm I'm yeah I'm I'm personally intrigued with this idea of like when do you stop? Like how do you stop? If you can yes. if you can share more details about it, yeah. Yes. In most cases. As I was saying, like for me, um, starting the painting starts from two points. Now uh, there is an external experience, experience of an external world, and there is an inner need. And when these two come together, that is the point 
at which, in a sense, there is a sense of heightened awareness. And if you reach that point in the painting, you feel that, yes, now I have achieved both an understanding of myself and an understanding of the outside. That is the point at which, ideally, you stop. You know? hmm. But this may, this is not a situation that happens every time. At many times, you are left a little confused. Whether you have really said what you want to say, whether there is something left unsaid, and then that goes on to your next question. That in many times you feel you have reached something incompletely. You have reached, but there is nothing you can do about it. You cannot improve upon this. Then you start another painting, which in which you try to push this to another level. So that is another way that you can do. So mm-hmm. there are various things like that that can happen. But ideally, I would say the painting is the one that is telling the artist. You know, that mm-hmm. This is even one stroke more, even changing one small thing is going to harm the painting. And sometimes you don't realize and you actually do it. And after you do it, you realize that, yeah, now I have to go back. I have to wipe that out and I have to go back. So those are the kind of processes through which this completion happens. But I think there is there's too much uh, kind of myth attached to this idea that and every time the artist reaches a point at which the painting just says it's perfect. Yeah. Many times it is not. Many times you realize that you could have done something else, you could have done something more, you know, but you can't. You cannot push it anymore. So many statements, many works of art, and this is true of novels, this is true of cinema, this is true of every art. That no art reaches that state of perfection. Very few. Very few works reach that state of perfection where nothing else can be done. But the others where they do not reach a perfection, they are in fact a stimulus for continuing with that search. You know, that's the way. No, actually, like I can I can just wonder and not really connect with it because I think it's more experiential. Uh, you you start with that conflict, you start with that two points. First to identify those two points at an experiential level is something which I've not personally witnessed. So understanding that first and then uh, reaching a point where they meet and get that small little thought that yes, this is complete. I think it's a long journey for me to understand at least. <laughs> uh, I, I barely struggle to know when to stop these sort of conversations because it just, it's just so enriching. So I have, I have a very long way to go. We'll conclude on this note. I don't know how to thank you. Uh, it's just wonderful talking to you. And uh, once again, thank you, Sudhir, sir, for giving your time. It was real honor speaking to you. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. Okay. Bye. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Bye.
And that's it from today's Gyan session. Catch us on iTunes, Savan, Stitcher, or any podcasting app you use. Do rate us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Stay tuned for more Gyan on AudioGyan.com. Till then, bye. Hello, it's been a great week on the IVM Podcast Network. On this round is on me. Gauri is joined by Shweta Nanda. They talk about the financial independence and how it is to be a woman entrepreneur. On Anish thing, Anish welcomes ultra marathon runner Shivani Gharat. Shivani shares her journey of how she ran her first marathon, the mindset of a runner, and what it actually takes to run a full marathon. On Cock and Bull, Cyrus, Naveen, Akash, and Shreyas talk about the Korean band BTS serving in the military and its repercussions. On Think Fast, Varun and Suchita discuss Wing Greens and their latest acquisitions, and about the Indian sexual wellness market. And on Shuni One, Sheila Dutta is joined by Dinika Bhatia. CEO and founder of Nutty Gritties. They talk about coming from a business family and Dinika's journey in creating healthy and guilt-free snacking. Once again, don't forget to visit our merch store on ivmpodcasts.com. We have some exciting new merch out there for you. Also, do follow us on social media. We are IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And do remember to spread the word about these shows and any other shows you might be listening to. Appreciate them, rate them, and review them wherever you are listening to them. You can also check out all our other shows on YouTube.com/slash/IVMPodcasts. And finally, we would like to thank our sponsors this week: Volvo XC40 Recharge, Bumble, Heads Up for Tails, Kotak Privy League Program, and HDFC Mutual Fund. Thanks, guys. Without you, this would not be possible. Do you often find yourself surrounded by conversations about Web3, blockchain, NFTs, DAOs? What are these terms and how do they affect our future on the internet? So many questions, but don't worry, we've got answers to all your questions. Hi, I'm Eklavya Bhattacharya and on our show Future Proofing, we try to decode the impact of these future technologies on various industries with experts and tech enthusiasts. Tune into new episodes coming out every Thursday on the IVM Podcast app and the website, or wherever you get your podcasts from.